Tips Tour Daily Podcast, everybody. I'm Kaylee Fretz, and we are roadside right now. We are... Hmm, don't actually know. We're just Ajin? after the town of Ouch. Ouch. A-U-C-H. Ouch. Ouch. <laughs> Let's call it Ouch. The town of Ouch. <laughs> which, uh, which is where the, the first sprint point is of the day. And we just actually got indication just a couple minutes ago, that the race has once again been stopped for a protest. Yeah, it was, we assume, environmental protesters again. There was a red flare let off. The, the breakaway of five riders came to a stop. Just checking if there's five. I think it's five. Um, <laughs> they came to a stop. Peloton carried on, came to a stop as well. But the race is underway again. Breakaway, full gas to sort of reclaim. Even though they're going to be allowed it, they, they're like, we're getting our gap back. <laughs> and the Peloton are now underway as well. And they're about four kilometers away from us, so we should be seeing them shortly. Pretty soon here. Well, let's set the scene, Johnny. Right, uh, yeah. we're, we're at a roundabout. Yeah. There's a highway over top. Uh, the, the trucks, as they go by, have been honking their horns as they cross the course. Yeah, it's, a, it's like a roundabout you'd see anywhere else in France, except today the Tour de France passed through it. So there's, there's people out taking photos of each other, of every vehicle that walks past, uh, that drives past. That's the thing is that no matter what car you're driving, people will be just filming you, <laughs> as you if you're along the Tour de France route. You have to be quite careful when you're driving along, not to do anything silly. Yeah, definitely. Picking your nose, yeah. whatever it is. Oh, I hadn't even thought of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, loads of pictures How of me doing that. many nose-picking pictures of it's Johnny It's my favorite are... thing to do while driving. <laughs> um... But yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's um, it's funny when you come to these places where it's just like indeterminate pieces of France, and then we're in a we're in a uh, what a, some sort of commercial area outside of Ouch, really. Yeah, not a whole lot going on, but there's there's a couple hundred people at this big big roundabout, there's, and there's an opticians and a pharmacy over there. Ah, there we go, <laughs> and that's pretty much it. I like how when you stand on the roadside like this, I don't know if it's intentional. I mean, I guess it sort of is. But it, things kind of build, you know? Like, we got here half an hour ago, and it was pretty quiet. People are sort of laying down in the grass and hanging out. Mm. And now we are 10 or 15 minutes away, maybe less, from the race coming by. And you get more and more cars. And with the more and more cars, people start to stand up. And then you get sort of official-looking cars. You get, like, a police car or something else. Maybe you get some sirens. People get really excited. And then you start getting... The stuff that's right in front of the race, a string of, of police cars, a bunch of team cars, the, the Swaniers with bikes on the roof and things like that. That's when people start just lining the sides of this roundabout, waiting, waiting patiently, anxiously for the bike race to go by, which will take all of 25 seconds yeah. when it finally gets here. And then they will go back upon their lovely French lives. Indeed. It's the, uh, it is the, it is the way of the out, tour. When you put it out like that, maybe it seems like a ridiculous thing to do, but <laughs> yeah, everyone does it anyway, yeah. Well, I, I guess my point is more that, like, yeah, okay, it's 25 seconds of the, of the race going by, but it really is sort of a whole thing, right? You come out here for the same reason you yeah. go to a parade, where you just, just you watch the stuff go by, it's, it's the build-up, it's the hanging out with your friends and drinking a beer and having a wine and perhaps making it early enough for the caravan. We missed the caravan. We came in after the caravan. You know, caravan is a literal parade that sort of gets everybody all amped about an hour, 90 minutes before the race comes through. And then you just, you know, it's a lovely day out. Just hang out. 
What I have been impressed is, uh, maybe I've just been paying more attention, but the, the hour at which people start drinking and having a good time gets more and more impressive. Oh. That was the Velo Magazine car with the big loudspeaker on the roof that we have mentioned previously that basically just tells us what's happening in the bike race. Uh, Ian is finding it very funny that the AG2R car is driving by with only three bikes on the roof. Uh, one for everyone. <laughs> one for the whole team. AG3R. AG3R. Yesterday, uh, there was a very good moment where AG2R, all of AG2R was in the breakaway, <laughs> which I, I found statistically um, improbable, but particularly funny. Wrote an article about it. Nobody read it. That's fine. Like... <laughs> There were bigger things going on, but uh, for me, I got my jollies out of AG2R having three men in the breakaway. <laughs> its entire team in the breakaway. Well, now we are, well, like that car said, five minutes away from the race showing up. Uh, we've got a little television here where we can watch. We're watching a very strong, very, very strong yeah. breakaway that's made its way off the front today. I can't imagine they're going to be given a whole lot of leash. No, you've got uh, Mikel Honore for Quick Step, Taco van der Horn for Intermarche, Quinn Simmons for Trek Segafredo, Mate Mohoric for Bahrain Victorious, and Nils Pollitt for Bora Hansgrohe. That's that's some serious, serious firepower. Yeah. If you're going to get in a breakaway to the Tour de France, you probably want to be in that one. Yep. Give me the... Uh, you just you just noticed something. Yeah, UAE team car went past. Uh, last time I saw a, U a UAE team car, everyone in it had masks on but uh, they've whittled down the sickly. So this was just a, a mechanic kind of falling asleep in the back seat, just slouched in a, a particularly boneless fashion. Loved it. Good to see. <laughs> it is kind of their only time to sleep. Yeah, other they're than that, they're working. Along. Yeah. Working all hours of the day, apart from in the team car. But then they've got to be ready and they've got to know. I was in a team car with Ribble World Tide at the Saudi Tour. I'm just checking if the race is coming. And the mechanics have to, even on, the, on a stage, need to pick the times when they nap because they can kind of tell when the quiet times are going to be but then when it could be a bit of a... Well, and this guy at the moment is ahead of the race, so he's definitely not needed at the moment. Oh, yeah, good point. <laughs> good point. <laughs> if somebody in the peloton needs him, yeah, then he's, he's not going to be he's in not the right make place it. at the yeah, right time. Actually, that's a really good point. <laughs> it's stage 19. We're allowed a, uh, to forget how bike racing works. Josh just pointed out that we're about to be on TV, uh, which, is, which is good. Just look out for Mikey. He's got a kind of... Oh, no, he's gone into the bushes. Oh, yeah, we are about to be on TV. We're going to look ridiculous. <laughs> We're standing here with microphones at the side of the, <laughs> the side of the bike race. It's like it, when you're a little kid, did you ever like record your own radio shows onto a tape? <laughs> we're just that. <laughs> we are. That's actually literally what we're doing. We're recording our own radio shows onto a tape. Not a cassette though. <laughs> well, we just watched them go uh, underneath the sprint point. Uh, not a whole lot of sprinting going on because that's already tied up. Loff and I are has already won it, basically. Yeah. Not basically, he has already won it. But Jasper Philipson still felt the need to lead Wout Van Aert over the line. Maybe as a show of strength ahead of the finish today. And he like, and yes, and as he went across the line, Jasper Philipson like turned around and looked at Wout Van Aert as if, I don't know what he means by that. <laughs> you can't intimidate Wout Van Aert. You, it's, he's unintimidatable. There they go. They have there gone. goes the breakaway, They've snaking around, around the, the bend. And then a whole bunch of cars. One line. Vroom, 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 vroom. You see Perhaps the whole bunch of cars is related to the earlier protest. <laughs> Might be a bit of a traffic jam, yeah. 
photographers go past. Uh, they don't really hold on. They just sort of sit on the back. They're very looking, relaxed. Looking through their photos they've just taken. Yeah. That, you know. Well, so the, the, the way that it works is, like, for example, Getty, where, which we get a lot of our photos from, uh, we get them during the race. Like, we'll, mm. we probably already have protest photos sitting in our little account there. Uh, and they... I was watching Tim Dalala do this yesterday. Tim is, is a longtime professional photographer. Take a photo. He hits a button on the back of his camera. He sends a voice message with the photo off to an editor at Getty. And then the photo shows up with the information that he provided via the voice message in our little Getty folder. It's amazing. a pretty amazing system, yeah. actually, because the, the, the photos are getting sent via his phone or some tethering thing straight up into the internet immediately. The modern world, Kaylee. It's wild. Here, here they come. Here Red is the peloton of the Tour de France. Philippe, Philippe Gilbert. Gilbert. The Tour de France is here. There it goes. The DSM card does not sound DSM healthy. Sound, that sounds real bad. That sounds not great. That was a bad noise. Oh, that was like a wheel going to fall that, off That went noise. through me, that noise. <laughs> oh. Oh. It is... It, I, I can't believe they don't run into each other more often. I, yeah. I'd say they run into each other relatively often, to be perfectly honest. There's like a couple, there's a couple incidents between team cars every single Grand Tour. It's organized chaos, is what it, it is. is. Organized um, and there are a fair number of rules that are being followed, even if yeah. you can't really tell from the outside. Anyway, uh, we've watched the bike race go by. We haven't had the chance to do that too many times this tour, so we wanted to do it today. We are now going to pop off towards the finish and go do the rest of our work and make the rest of this podcast. So we'll be back in just a moment. Bye-bye. just back we're just back we are in a different place now we are no longer near the bicycle race we just watched the end of the bicycle race uh ian this time set the scene <laughs> said that we've just watched the end of the bike race so we could yeah. have quite easily just driven to montabau <laughs> after the bike race we've <laughs> set the scene for me ian we are in a square in a town called montabau I think I pronounced that very badly, so let's let's go with it. Uh, there is a kind of water feature thing in the middle of the square where a lot of children are running around, sometimes getting squirted in the face. Um, sometimes it has a mister attachment that comes on, and then everybody just sort of walks around like they've uh, just been smoke bombed or something. It's it's quite quite nice. There's it's uh, lovely. There's many happy people here, yeah. and at this table there are some happy people. <laughs> There is um, the one thing that concerns me, apart from the child who's very slowly going around the outskirts on a, one of those like Segway things where you lean to make the, the two wheels go. But he's moving incredibly slowly. It's ominously slowly. But then the more concerning thing is the number of children playing in the water who are just wear fully clothed. I don't have any children, but I would not want uh, to look after one of those well, very wet I, children. Ian and I can provide some insight into this. I, I can confirm that both of my children would just be lying down in it. <laughs> 
doesn't matter what they're wearing. They, my my eldest just goes and lies down in puddles. But what does what do you do after that? They just wet. Oh, I mean that that stops being their problem and becomes yours. So it's yeah. really the perfect crime. <laughs> <laughs> this is why parents bring bags of things everywhere. Yeah. Oh god. But unfortunately, we did not bring a change of clothes for ourselves. So we. I mean, we can go and lie down in it if we wanted, if we... Depending how this podcast goes. I mean, our social editor, Michael Better, has spent much of the day frolicking already. I feel like perhaps he could do some additional frolicking in would the you small talk, pond. Would you like to talk to us about the frolicking? My, oh, no, he's getting oh, he's, up. He's running off. He's, he's getting up. He's, he's going to run he's through. He's just pulled his shoes off. I hope he's running towards the children. <laughs> <laughs> he's there, frolicking. There is Hold an on, adult gonna... man frolicking in the, in the fountain, and we... he is not with us. There's video I'm taking right we'll now that will it. be on the internet. I mean, for something that is primarily an audio medium. Uh, <laughs> a lot of physical comedy going on. There's a lot of physical comedy. It's, it's quite good. Um, Joshua Robinson from the Wall Street Journal. Could you please... <laughs> which is your answer phone message, actually, which we found out today, which no, brought us great joy. With Joshua Robinson with, 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 the, with Wall the Wall Street Journal. Journal. Yeah, not of, with... Of the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> Josh, you have a fact... Yeah, I recorded that thing years ago. Um, <laughs> uh, I do have a fact. Montalban is an interesting place. Uh, it's been around for like a thousand years, nine hundred. Um, but it, uh, well, here's the boring fact. The boring fact is that it resisted uh, allegiance to the King of France for many hundreds of years until the 17th century, actually, because it was a Protestant town in a Catholic country. But much, much more interesting is that during World War II, when Paris was occupied, the Mona Lisa was hidden in a wine cellar in Montauban. Ah, really? I promise. A, sorry, we briefly interrupted by... Your, your, your really good fact got gazumped by the train full of people. It's which seems train. To, there, well, there yeah, it's a, it's a small, car masquerading as a train. Small. And no one likes waving here. Ian has introduced a great game on the, on the tour where in lots of towns there are... Um, there are these like vehicles. I don't trains. Know. They why do like, they make them? Why do they make them look like, like trains? trains? It doesn't make sense. Yeah. You know, what? Um, I'm just gonna go tell the train people about the Mona Lisa instead. We, <laughs> we just had to. Um, we just had to quickly get back to it. But yeah, they don't. They don't like waving in this town. But it's great. You force waves out of them. Sorry, Josh. The Mona Lisa. And then when was it returned to? When was it returned to Paris? Well, I don't feel like telling you now. <laughs> Now that's so, two out of five that are having a salt at the table. <laughs> the problem was you started. You, you were about to tell the facts, and I was like, "Oh, actually, you know, it'd be nice to have some some real things on this podcast." But then me and Ian could both hear the train approaching, and we're like, "How long is this fact going to be?" Because we're definitely going to have to address the train in the square. It's like the elephant in the room. Yeah, <laughs> the train in the square. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, no, Montauban, uh, Mona Lisa, yes. Uh, train waves, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Which is upsetting to me because we have had some great waving train passengers. It's uh, also upsetting to Josh now. <laughs> and fair enough. We finally pushed him too far. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just talking about that. Like, that. There's the proof that I'm actually interested in it. I was just, it's like we're having a conversation. So they did the Nazis then start figuring out that it was going to be a Montauban? And was it a system of moving it around? Am I asking too many questions about about this? Or No, that's that's exactly what happened. Okay. Well, the, the Germans invaded the, the oh, southern the, bit of France, oh, which had been free before uh, then. Um, and it was actually not just the Mona Lisa, it was a whole bunch of the Louvre's permanent collection. Okay. Cool. And now it's kept in in a, a glass building, which is more, more the one unsafe sort of structures you could keep priceless art in. 
But speaking of masterpieces moving around France. Oh, <laughs> what a transition. I like how just before, like a minute ago, if you, if you hit the back <laughs> button on your podcast a few times, you'll hear Johnny saying, it's like we're having a conversation. <laughs> that is primarily what we're supposed to be doing here. Yeah, but I meant, I meant it was just like... Oh, just pals. It was so, you know, it was, it was so interesting that I'd, I'd forgot about the microphone part. Josh does do that. He's, he's like a glue that brings us together, whereas normally we're just split into warring factions. <laughs> <laughs> the glue guy of the Tour the Daily guy, Pod. He comes in and makes it sound like we uh, can, can speak decently to each other for a while and then mics off. The war recommences. Anyway, there was a bike race today. Yeah, there was. Um, and we just watched the end of it. Uh, not exactly what we were expecting, <laughs> Johnny. <laughs> Say um, that again. I, I, I am a little bit fearful to ask you to sum up what happened at the end of that race because I don't think we are entirely clear on that just yet. But give it a, give it a go. All right, so... We had we had the original breakaway of five riders, five strong riders who heard earlier. Quinn Simmons was the last of them to be brought back into the fold. Then there was a counterattack from Fred Wright, Jasper Stuyven, Alexis Gouchard. They were caught with about a kilometre to go, I think, but then Fred Wright sort of surged again at the front and sort of got a gap again. Meanwhile, Christophe Laporte was dragging the, the peloton back up to make the catch, but distanced the peloton on his own like, off the front, like... Well, really Wild Van Aert was pulling for a while. They were, yeah. they, they were, clear, they were riding for Laporte. Yeah. I think that was that was clear. So they, that was the intention today: is not to ride for Wild, but to ride for Laporte, which makes sense because he is a French person, and yeah. the French people have zero stage wins thus far. I believe they haven't been shut out since 1999. 1999, yes. 1999. and then before that, probably Lance Armstrong's fault. It's pretty amazing. So, so yeah. Um, Christophe Laporte obviously had the legs, sort of surged to the front, then attacked again. It's sort of a, like a trunk. Well, because he could leap out. That yeah, was the thing, is, was, is there were still riders up off the front. Yeah. There was still a Fred Wright and a Meninglaz. Oh, it, was, it was probably Goujard still, was it? Yeah, yeah, Goujard was still up there. And so it gave him a target, basically. Yeah. Uh, and, and, a, and a wheel to get on and, and take a, a you know, minuscule little breather before setting off once again. I mean, the. the the reality of it, I think, was was this is a result of two factors. One, the sprint teams are tired, yeah. and you could just tell that, like Lotto, for example, Lotto spent much of today. In fact, uh, <laughs> Philippe Gilbert alone spent much of today Making keeping sure that break got, very, very yeah. close. They were kind of touch and go on getting it back at all, but they they essentially burned all their matches doing that. The other sprint teams appear to just be mm. not particularly. Uh, fit and, and, and able at this point in time and we just we are near the very end of three very hard weeks of racing bike exchange wasn't doing a whole lot they threw one or two riders up there DSM threw one or two riders up there but nobody could sort of fully pull back the kind of time that they needed into what turned out to be quite a tricky little finale with a little mm. uphill kick a couple little uphill kicks in the last kilometers but an uphill kick right up to the line and the result of that was that we have a guy who is definitely not a bunch sprinter winning the last stage that everybody said was going to be a bunch sprint. When he, he, he had time to look behind him, check, then really sit up across the line and celebrate. Uh, Jasper Philipson led, led the peloton across the line a second later, had Alberto Dainese, DSM, Florian Seneschal in fifth place, Tadej Pogacar. <laughs> Which tells you how hard it was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
Dylan Grunewagen was seventh, so that's an odd one for... And Philipson in second, right? So, like, you know, the sprinters were up yeah. there. It was just, it was it was not a traditional sprint finish, and, and I think it could have been. I don't think that the, the route mm. itself was enough to make it finish that way. I think it was mostly down to the fact that the teams yeah. are obliterated at this point. They are tired. The well, yeah, riders themselves are tired. And it, yeah, it just it, it wasn't enough to, to hold it together. Caleb, you intense. Yeah, I mean, and we even saw it throughout the stage, right? I mean, we said we had minor echelons a couple different times throughout the stage, and, and it was not that windy out there. It, that ex Those exact conditions on day four, no echelons, right? Because everyone's fresh and raring and ready to go. But on day, what are we on, 19? Yeah. 19. You're going to have guys losing the wheel, and then you end up with echelons and stuff like that. A time trial on the penultimate day of the men's Tour de France. But don't worry, I will continue our course for the Tour de France Femme as well. But first, the final cheese segment for this week. The time trial finishes in Rocamadour. The name is synonymous to many things, including the cheese bearing its name. It's a goat cheese made with raw milk and the history of the Rocamadour goes back a long way. The cheese is already mentioned in stories from the 15th century and because Rocamadour is located on the old pilgrimage route to Santiago de Compostela, the cheese has become more famous through the pilgrims than the region itself. The area where the goats are kept is characterized by poor and dry soil and as a result the vegetation is sparse and dries out strongly in the summertime. At least 80% of the goat's food must come from the region and fermented food is prohibited. The limestone soil ensures that the rocamadour has a mineral-like taste. The rocamadour can be eaten after two weeks, then it's very mild in taste. After four weeks, it starts to get really creamy and has a stronger taste. And in the sixth week, it will dry up and taste even stronger. In June, there's the annual cheese festival celebrating all the cheeses from the region. Well, count me in. But there's much more than just cheese in beautiful Rocamadour. Legend has it that it was home to a hermit, Zacchaeus of Jericho, who is said to have personally spoken to Jesus. He died in 70 AD and was buried at Rocamadour. At first, the Virgin Mary was worshipped in Rocamadour, but 1166, a perfectly preserved body was discovered. It was said by some to be that of Zacchaeus, and others said that it was the body of Saint Amadour, another hermit and the name-giver of the town. Or it might have been the body of a complete unknown man. Nobody knows. After the discovery, the bones of Saint Amadour, or whoever it was, was moved to the church. They survived a fire as they were held in a small reliquary in the chapel. The chapel itself is very simple with a single nave and hanging from its ceiling is one of the oldest known clocks which dates to the 8th century. The Saint Amadour crypt is a UNESCO World Heritage Site and part of the pilgrim's route to Santiago de Compostela. And whether the body was that of Zacchaeus or Amadour or whether they were actually the same person doesn't really matter. The discovery itself caused the pilgrims to come flocking because the body was found with a black wooden statue, the Black Madonna, which has since been linked to many miracles. And according to one source, I found there are 170 miracles attributed to Rocamadour, while Amsterdam, for example, has just one. 
Rocamadurdos became a major pilgrim destination with famous names like Louis XI of France and King Henry II of England. In the 14th century, the century of the Hundred Years' War between England and France, Rocamadur reached its peak. According to the sources, the town received as many as 30,000 pilgrims a day. And that is a lot of people when you consider that Paris had roughly 100,000 inhabitants at the time. All the pilgrims thought they were entitled to a full indulgence or direct access to heaven without being asked about your sins. And this was an attractive prize, of course. Anyway, it was already very busy in this town back then. But you just didn't get that indulgence. You had to do something for it. After the pilgrim had first attended mass at a departure point, he left for Rocamadur in special clothing. And once they arrived in the town, the pilgrims stripped off their clothes, bare knees and climbed the 223 step staircase to the church with the shrines. And to make it even more difficult, the pilgrim was given heavy iron chains. Well, I don't know if today's time trial will be equally challenging, but let's see. The science of today's broadcast will be amazing, I promise. And have yourself some toast with Rocamadur and a glass of wine. Why not? I don't think there's, there's probably not a whole lot else to be said about today. Uh, um, a, a shocking finish and, and love to see the French get their stage win. Yeah, that's the point, actually. Do you think Jumbo Visma, um, do you think that was a plan for them to sort of give something back to the French or try to at least, uh, to curry favour with the... Because they, they they're ho probably going to win the yellow jersey. I think they probably, there were two options. If, they, if today was a stage win day for them, mm. if they're going for the stage win, there are two options. One is Wout and the other is Laporte. And I think that they, I mean, who knows exactly why that decision was made. I'm sure we'll get some quotes in, in relatively soon on that front. But I would imagine that Wout was essentially like, I already have the green yeah. jersey sewn up and some stage wins. And I don't know if it was the French angle or just the you're a good Sharing teammate love, angle. Yeah. My guess is it would be the latter. I can't yeah. imagine that they would I mean, they would go for a stage win for <laughs> Think French about the PR. Think of it, yeah. <laughs> but uh, regardless, it doesn't really matter why, right? Uh, they still did it and they executed and... They showed today that why they are I mean, they're the best team in the race by, by such a long way. They're going to win the thing overall. They're going to take a bunch of stage wins home. They're going to they're going to spread those stage wins out yeah. among multiple riders. They've just been incredible end to end from Copenhagen all the way. Well, soon up to Paris. Five out of 19 stage wins so far. And Wout van Aert could win the time trial and the Champs-Élysées, which is what is that? What, that's what he did last year, was it? Did he win the time trial and then the Champs-Élysées? Yeah, back to back. Yep. Yeah, yep. so I mean, it could be seven out of twenty-one. Could be a third of all the stages, yep. and the yellow jersey, and the polka dot jersey, and the green jersey. They'll be well out the front of the, um, the prize team classification. And team classification, I think that what might would be still hilarious be is if they're not winning Ineos, team I classification. I think it's still in Ineos, uh, but we were talking today about the Super Combativity Award which is awarded every day, but it's also awarded by a jury at the end of the, the tour. And I think that it has to be wowed. You'd think so. Yeah. Although, Quinn Simmons, again, out the front He's today. been very active. Fred Six Wright. or seven days. Fred Wright has been very, Fred very, very, very if active. If Magnus Court was still here, he'd be a shout just for yep. animating the start of the race. Yep. So there's probably three riders. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try diving into the statistics and work out who's been awarded it on each particular day. Maybe the jury uh, 
goes rogue and just decides to share things around a little bit so all of their money does not go to one place. Um, maybe Astana. <laughs> we can dream. But I think that you're forgetting the two words that have been repeated so often at this tour when discussing anything that seems sort of normal and the other category you have to consider, which is, but wow. Yep. Just, but wow, all the time. It's like, yeah, it might be Magnus Court, but, but wow. wow, though. <laughs> Every single time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, to, for me, it's between him and... Uh, nah. See, this is the hard thing. Him and Quinn? Fred has been closer more often. Quinn has spent more time in Animating, doomed yeah. I yeah. know that Trek Segafredo is optimistic that things will be shared around a little bit, just uh, based on conversations that I've had around Quinn the Quinn won traps. it today. Quinn will go up on the podium today. Uh, it's but a tough one. The big one, the big one is worth 25,000 euro, which is probably pocket money for yeah for Jumbo Visma at the end of this tour. But if you were could, the jury, if you were the jury, wh who would you give it to? Well, I, that's yeah, the thing. Like, uh, because it's jury-based, it's kind of subjective, and you don't know whether they're just going to be like, oh. But if you're are. the jury, if you <laughs> or, were the jury. If I was the jury, yeah. I don't think you really can give it to anyone, but well, for not. Yeah. Like, he's just been in everything. He, he's either on the attack or on the front. Or it's a meritocracy. It's not like, let's share it around so that all the buses don't immediately pull out of Paris as soon as they get to Champs-Élysées, they're just leaving Jumbo Visma to go on the podium six times in a row you have to give it to Wout Van Aert and is he the only rider at the race who's also had a life-size mascot of himself wandering around the start not life-size sorry not life-size large larger than life-size life size. Wout Van Aert's big he's not that big uh, the only that I've seen yeah although I'm not ruling out others <laughs> <laughs> um, the team classification Ineos Grenadiers have a comfortable half an hour lead over Groupama FDG uh, and then Yama Visma are further 10 minutes behind Where's uh, where's Movistar? Movistar, fifth. They moved up a place today oh. over UAE Team Emirates. Sorry, they moved up a place moved today a place. after they lost on Rick Mass. <laughs> yes, and because UAE Team Emirates dropped down two, uh, Movistar are two hours behind, two hours and twenty-seven seconds. So they're nearly in sort of the double team Mayo Sable jersey. Mm. I no, mean, let's not speaking of the Mile Sable, none of these none of these classifications really matter in comparison. So, we yesterday, if I remember correctly, we were we were awaiting Sepkus's arrival past the hour mark. He was at fifty-seven something minutes. What, what are we, where are we at now? Because there there were splits in the final, and there will be there were time gaps, and we were trying to spot on the television whether Sep had put himself into a group that would have worked out for, uh, for a potential Mayo Sablo stage win. So, firstly, Dylan Turns is still in the Mayo Sablo. All right. An hour, eight minutes, 21 seconds. Sepkus yesterday was on 57 minutes, 59 seconds. Today, he's on 58 minutes, 50 seconds. Mm. So he lost 51 seconds. One of those groups coming Well, and, and Twins is, is what, up at like 106 or something you said? 108, yeah. 108. So there's a big gap to that fit is, into. And, and Pidcock is the other rider, the other side of Sepkus, 54 minutes, 47 seconds. So it's really between those two for the Maya Sabla. I, I mean, I think, frankly, Pidcock is probably going to actually give it a go in the TT. Just yeah, to see he can how, get a and he can get a top 10. Yeah, and just to see how he goes. I mean, part of the, part of the reason why Pidcock is here is to see how he goes in a three-week tour riding intentionally every day riding with intent every day as opposed to just sort of getting through stages and he'll want to know okay well if i go 
full gas, how close am I to Tade Pogacar in the in in a you know stage 20 time trial? So he'll go all, all out and probably be within a minute or two of Yella, which will not put him in in Sabla territory. It's got to be Sep at this point. Did you did you remember to text him yesterday? No, or not? I did not. I will, I will do we so. We need to now. Yeah, we need to. We've <laughs> run out of time. <laughs> I'll do so this evening. Uh, Maybe we take him a bag of sand. Could that be the prize? You know, like how you have weir the weirder prizes at the the weirder races. The good thing about a bag of sand is that it's light and convenient to pack for the trip back home. Where are we going to find a bag of sand between now um, and Sunday? Just going to a crypt somewhere. Do you know, Josh? Amy's flying in from yeah, Barcelona. Any, any major like homeware store. Yeah. Like a garden center type thing. I was going to say that Amy Jones is flying in from Barcelona for the Ooh. for the Tour de France Femme. Like, we just have her swing by the beach on the way in. Yeah. Yeah. Just in our check luggage. Yeah. So no funny questions are asked. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I saw it then. Perfect. All right. What are we going to present? The, are we literally going to a bag of sand? Are we going to present the sand in something a bit more? Where would you buy hourglass? Surely in Paris there are like at least 20 hourglass shops. <laughs> That's the one place on earth that surely still uh, has the hourglass shop shops. that's been around since the medieval times. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we can Google it. Okay. Yep. I, I will. We absolutely need to present him with it. Is he going to be receptive to receiving? No, sand? that's a great pun you've just done there. Receptive. Oh, that is good. no. But I don't think of him as sep. <laughs> but is no. he going to be receptive? <laughs> Uh, today I had an interesting interview with Reinhard Jans van Rensburg <laughs> about his receptivity to being the Lantern Rouge, which he is not. But I, I think I in, in, inceptioned the idea in his mind. Um, he, he may well have lost some, lost some time to Caleb today. He is hoping. Oh, no. Wait, no. We, have to, we had two people not start the stage, didn't we? We had Enric Mass and someone else, maybe? It's basically saying that Caleb Ewan moved up two places. Yeah, no, but that's fine. What's the gap between um, him and... I'm sorry. That, yeah, that's kind of irrelevant. Caleb um, Bune is still the Lantern Rouge. Reinhard Janus van Rensburg is still seven minutes ahead, or six, uh. seven minutes ahead. But Albert Torres of Movistar has dropped in between the two. Oh, no. And he's less than four minutes ahead of Caleb Ewan. That's really disappointing, because for a while we had Lotto Sudal with a reverse podium. Yeah. It's so, Albert Torres, you may have to go and ask him in Spanish where he's going to spend his 1,000 euro... Lastminute.com voucher on. Yeah, and the answer we found out today from uh, from Jans van Rensburg was that he would go to Disneyland, and I said, which Disneyland? And he said, Paris. <laughs> and I said, that's not very imaginative. <laughs> You're leaving quite a bit in the kitty there. And then he said, okay, Zanzibar. <laughs> <laughs> he said Zanzibar. You thought he said Lanzibar, which you assumed was um, like an island off Spain. And we defense, spent a lot of time Googling. In my defense, it's quite hard to... Uh, a lip read when everyone's wearing a mask yeah. and B when you've got quite a thick South African accent and talking about somewhere that is a little bit foreign yeah. <laughs> but when it sounds exactly like Zanzibar I mean we listened back to the recording in the car and we agreed that it was Zanzibar but I, true. I had like a Lanzarote kind of thing in yeah. my mind sorry I don't mean to clown you no that's fine that's fine I'm <laughs> not very good at I this I think obviously. you do mean to clown him I, it was yeah I was yeah sorry no, <laughs> I'm not pod on, I'm just pod on, I got caught. <laughs> what other storylines have we missed from today? Phenomenal finish. Pogacar attacked at one point, just for giggles. We actually missed yeah. it, but that's according to Jose Ben, who sent it to us via text. Anything yeah. else? Uh, 
Josh did a number of uh, interviews with Canadian Radio. That was exciting. Oh, really? Yeah. I missed this. I didn't hear about this. No, no. We were in the car, and we were just doing repeat interviews with Canadian Radio. Josh, uh, we hear it's hot in France there. Uh, uh, what are the riders doing about this? Well, you'll have to listen to CBC uh, across nine different areas in Canada, up to and including Saskatchewan and Whitehorse. Can I give a, a quick little insight into the level of professionalism that Joshua Robinson of the Wall Street Journal has at the moment? He gave that entire response to you whilst playing a game of chess on his computer. <laughs> and he didn't lose. Like, he, he did quite a good little, uh, little rook number. I think he might have been, like, fumbling around with his white horse whilst talking about the province white horse. That's outstanding. <laughs> I'm not the one who did it. I'm just, uh, I'm just watching. Again, I, I think I say every day on the podcast when Josh is on, this is the level where he's operating at compared to us. We're here thinking very hard about what we're saying. Meanwhile, Josh is just, you know, rattling off all this stuff mid-game. And who are you, you're probably, are you playing against some sort of like Russian wonder child who's uh, like going to be a future grandmaster? No, uh, it's actually quite a low-level game between a low-level internet player and a lower-level internet player such as myself. Ah. Um, no, this. I, I think the relaxed uh, podcast appearances are just down to not working for you guys. <laughs> so it doesn't matter what happens. What? What a loophole! Josh is unfireable. <laughs> you should have really taken more advantage of this uh, this, this platform for that little just start weeks. sounding off. I feel like the envelope is being plenty pushed. <laughs> Seriously, boys, what, yeah. what 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 else do we do? We miss anything else today? I mean, it was a quote-unquote sprint stage. Uh, quite a, like I said, exciting finale, but still fundamentally not adding to the narrative. We, I guess we could talk about tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, the yeah. other thing from today was that there were no crosswinds, really, which when the, you see those things pop up on Twitter, and my instinct is always like, if I just write that really quickly now before the weather forecast changed, then it'll be up and it'll be true. And then it will also mean that we don't get crosswinds and we have a very more straightforward day. You could see how they, there was opportunity for some. I mean, we were particularly yeah. in the first, ahead of the first sprint point. So it's kind of the first third of the, of the stage, which is frankly probably too early. Because um, then it got kind of like the trees got bigger. And when the trees get bigger, obviously the crosswinds are less because the trees block the wind. But in the first bit of that stage, it was, you know, low scrub on both sides, cornfields, sunflower fields, etc. And it was relatively, uh, probably like a 10 to 15 kilometer an hour wind straight out of the left. So, you know, you're, you're, you're 10K an hour away from chaos at that point. But still, it, we, were, we were a fair ways away from that. We were, we were 15K an hour instead of 25. And there was never really any danger of crosswinds today. Like I said, the, the splits that did happen looked to me like they were primarily the result of just very tired, probably somewhat unmotivated legs that just did not want to suffer at this point in the Tour de France versus, you know, sort of fully pushing the absolute limits of everybody. It was just a, I think everyone knew it would come back together. The director sportifs have a huge amount of information now on where the wins are and where the wins aren't. And they know, they knew that, that you know, the wins were gonna essentially stop once we got sort of the middle of the stage. And, and that probably meant that everybody kind of chilled out a little bit. Because sometimes when you drive the course, you see team cars pulled up ahead ahead of you uh, with a member of staff out on the roadside holding up what looks like quite a small hairdryer and it, like winds passing through it and then they like can take readings of which section of the road are windy and where maybe they yeah. could pull it apart or something yeah, like got, that. Yeah, they've got real-time data. Yeah. 
people holding up little fans. And then they've also got the thing called VeloViewer, which yeah. they all pay for. Um, the sort of like pro version of, of VeloViewer, which is it provides an insane amount of information. I think Ronan, I can't remember if he actually put that story up yet, but he was working on it earlier in the race when he was, when he was here. Um, I'm assuming it will go up at some point. About sort of like what the teams see on a given day. And it oh, is, cool. it's, it's an, an enormous amount of information. It basically, you know, it combines Strava segment data and weather data and mapping data and all and, and elevation and, and gradient data and all these things. And the directors have access to all of this for the entire stage every single day. And they use it to, to determine, you know, when to send their guys to the front and when to try to push fresh lawns and when it's probably not going to happen. And so I think on a day like today, they, you know, all the directors have that same information. They're all interpreting it in the same way, which is, sure, go for it, try it, but it's probably not going to work, so don't put too much into it. And that's what we saw throughout the stage. Do we have any corrections corner I forgot, items? I forgot to mention yesterday, uh, our colleague Abby, who's currently at home, on home with child, is her, her partner, Tom Squinch, rides the Tour de France. And has revealed that she spent the past three days eating crackers uh, because that's apparently what having a child is like. I turned to you guys, I was like, why is she doing that? And they're like, you literally just don't understand. Um, but she has come up with a, a good nickname for Vingago because Vingago is a bit, we had to transition from Vingegaard to Vingago and it's all quite yeah. confusing. She apparently came up with this last year, but then you just started sharing it now. Vinigogo. It's excellent. Excellent. Yep. And maybe we just pivot to Vinny Gogo full time. Not in articles, podcast. Yeah. Vinny? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's probably Vinny. closer to the Danish pronunciation than uh, Vinny, yeah. Vinny Gogo. We're trying. Yeah. I mean, yeah, our, our attempts at Danish pronunciation, which, you know, it's, it's phonetically yeah. in English, it's Vingegaard, right? Yeah. I'm just saying. I'm just Bing saying. Why it's so difficult for us? <laughs> we, we look at that. We are we are making every attempt. Apparently, the first G is supposed to be a soft one. It's like a mm. Bing, it's yeah, like a ing. Mm. And the last, and then you get a go go at the if end. It, no, if it's a double double A, yeah, then that is also alternatively Ooh. written as an A with a one of the circle things over it, oh, which is an okay. or. So sometimes you can have a name like Hawkon, which is a H A O thingy over the top. K-O-N, Hawkon, but sometimes uh, if it's anglicized, it's H-A-A-K-O-N, and sometimes uh, they just spell it that way. So it's is a, it's is a Mads Pedersen, Mads Pedersen, or is he Mads mess, Pedersen? Mess. It's actually Mess. It's not, is it? It's Mess. Ah. Oh. That D is a liar. What? <laughs> but again, that uh, that probably varies. Okay. Right, you're, you're, yeah, you're, you're trying to put it, yes. Letters that don't exist in English alphabets. I mean, there are a lot of words like in English that so I don't know why I'm getting mad because oh, that happens. And yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, we, we, the point. Of, my point being is we we do make an attempt to say his name somewhat correctly, uh, and maybe we should just go with Vinnie Gogo instead. Well, also Pog and Vinnie Gogo seem sounds like a crime fighting duo. So yeah, it works. I'm I'm okay with it. I think we go with Vinigogo in in first use. Ah, uh, got it. And then maybe we can relax after that point. Because this is how we often do our Let's style just, guide in, yeah, in writing, which guide. is on yeah. first on first use. You use the whole name, you know, Tour de France Femme avec Zwift, for example. And then from that point on, it is just the Tour de France. So Jonas or the Vingogo, tour. the first of his name, and from that point on, Vinigogo. Yes. Got it. <laughs> style guide updated. 
we've we've also been uh, in the corrections corner section. It's not so much a corrections corner as just an update that I wanted to give. Uh, yesterday we were kind of a bit cracked, I think, a little broken by the the heat and by the tarpsness mm. of where we were. Uh, but at, at one point. Um, we just Johnny and I just sitting across from each other during lunch as we do just came up with a little a little song oh yeah um, which I'd hoped that uh, we could get into last night's episode but yeah. unfortunately real racing happened so we weren't able to just start singing our little song but uh, we kept a lid on our bullshit for one day yeah 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 it was it was actually quite a probably quite a good podcast as opposed to this um, but uh, if you can imagine the song Uptown Funk um, do you want to? Do you want to start? We're gonna sing. Yeah, we can sing it. Oh, sound about people. Everyone here already hates us, mate. It's I think. Fine. I think if we start singing it though, it might start some sort of impromptu uh, street mob. Or okay, is it well, flash mob? Flash mob. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm 74,000 years old. <laughs> Not what flash mob is. So um, I just. You're gonna count us in. Nah. Do we want to sing? I do. Now I do. Okay. So to the tune of Uptown Funk. <laughs> <laughs> one, two, a one, two, three, four. Matthew, Matthew Burgadoo. Matthew Burgadu. Everybody. Hi, Matthew. <laughs> it was also came up with another one when we were sitting here earlier. Do you remember that one? Uh, you know, that's it, it's a song, Ooh Ah, just a little bit. <laughs> that's a good one. I'd forgotten who it was for. Reinhardt Janssen van Rensburg. It's a we'll workshop a bit more. Oh, God. We've. It needs, yeah, workshopping, please. Just some yeah, more workshopping. Some broken boys. Um, if anyone wants to take that very short clip of them and turn yeah. it into. A YouTube, a YouTube parody like it's 2009, then please, please do so. Or for a it. ringtone. Or a ringtone. Or any or other uh, suggestions of names that fit. Uh, oh, Jonas Vingergaard? Jonas Vingergaard. Jonas Vingergaard. Everybody. <laughs> you have to do the, the sort of call and response bit so that. <laughs> yeah. Look, we're new at this. We're new at this singing on the podcast. <laughs> by, by the time we get to Paris, it'll just be a musical. <laughs> any other corrections? Uh, not so much a correction, just uh, if my grandma's listening. Hello. Mm. I got an enigmatic text message. Um, and I, I, think, I think it means that my grandma is listening, which is masterful use of technology by Aileen. Um, mm. So it was, it was nice to get that message. Shout out. I know that my, uh, my family is listening. And bizarrely, because um, we, we play it on a sort of Google, Google Home kind oh, of haunting. device, a Google screen. And my youngest child, the picture of the Cycling Tips podcast is just Kaylee's <laughs> smiling face. So now she has taken to looking at that picture and saying, Daddy. Oh, nice. Wasn't your child also um, like going to bed with a piece of wood with your face? Um, yes, yes. Uh, to it? So there's, there's a bit of lumber that's doing the rounds in the, uh, in the family with That's both with adorable and very sad. Yeah, she just like yeah. clutches onto a, a bit of wood with... With my face glued onto it. It's not even a large <laughs> bit of wood. It's not even like a piece of wood that could replicate like your height. No, it's so a, like a matchbox size. It's like a nub kind of wood. Of yeah. Yeah, it, it was part of a like a friend's domino set, like just <laughs> friends and family members, that was made for us by another friend. Um, but my <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a story from America in the 1930s or something. <laughs> And then just just playing with our breeze block out the back and like hitting a can down the road with a stick. It's like Depression era Ireland. Yeah. 
Oh. No, we don't live in Angela's ashes. We just live in <laughs> Melbourne where my daughter sleeps with a bit of wood with my face glued onto the side. <laughs> do, we, do we have any other, do we have any other shout outs? Uh, no, uh, no. Should we tell people if they want a shout out, they need to reach out and ask for a shout out specifically? Yeah, and they've got to have a good reason. Yeah. So you have to send us a message on, on the, like any of the, reasons that I've on the Velo Club Slack and, and tell us why you deserve a shout out. I think I think your grandma had a good reason. She was she's she's your grandma. Way she's older the than, reason she's your you grandma. exist. She's way older than the invention of podcasts, and yet she's mastered the technology. Well, actually, quite uh, quite touchingly, one of the I, I love my grandmother very much. One of the key reasons that we bonded was because she used to come over to France every summer and uh, has had an interest in cycling for a long time. So we just talk about bikes. Okay. For, That's lovely. For decades, we've we've just spoken about cycling. It's very nice. It only took us 45 minutes to reach something wholesome and sort right. of uh, uplifting. <laughs> After. Should we cut it off right there? Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Before we ruin it. Before All another right. train comes past. <laughs> Tomorrow, time trial. Yeah. Big day, 40K TT. It feels a little bit mm, slightly anticlimactic, perhaps, because the gap is probably too large to be overhauled, but you never we know. We said that before. You never no, yeah, we went into the the Planche de Belle fee a couple years ago and thought it was done, and it was not. So, we will not count our chickens before they hatch, and we will be back from where is the TT tomorrow? Who has the where, who has the book? La Capelle something La Cap to Rocamadour. Rocamadour, right? Another um, another town that sounds like a song. It um. is in the middle of nowhere, and uh, but it's beautiful. And then we're going to get on a train from Limoges to Paris, and we will go meet up with our Tour de France femme team. La Capelle Marival is the full name. La Capelle Marival. In okay. the uh, string of double-barreled uh, start towns after Castelnau Manuac today. The, the primary thing that I remember about this time trial course is that it actually loses elevation from oh, start great. to finish. Uh, yeah, it, like only about 100 meters over 40K, so it's just basically flat. But still, it does finish lower than it started. And with that, we'll be back tomorrow from probably Rocamador, I would imagine. I hope so. Yeah. We'll see you there. Thanks, everybody. Thanks.